Hi, I'm Dr. Jess Jodhpuller, and this is Spartanburg Women in Medicine podcast. In this show, you meet the incredible women in medicine of our community and hear their stories. everybody, welcome back to our second episode of the Spartanburg Women in Medicine podcast. There is an exciting episode lined up for you today, but before we begin, let me take a moment to thank all the people who reached out to me with their very helpful, constructive feedback and, and encouragement uh, in our process of building our community with this podcast. So really, really huge amount of gratitude to everyone. Uh, and those who are new, I want to just introduce the general flow of the podcast where we meet our guests, we have them uh, um, tell us about their roles and duties in their professional life, and then we ask them to share uh, any experiences relating to our community of women in medicine. And then we ask for uh, tips uh, of self-care, and what has worked for them in this busy professional uh, career as a um, physician. Um, and then lastly, we ask for wisdom, wisdom they wish they knew they had uh, when they were starting out as a young doctor. And of course, there are all these uh, tangents we go in. So please stay tuned. It'll be all fun. And now, before further ado, I would like to invite uh, and welcome our guest, Dr. Helen Stockinger. Welcome so much uh, to our uh, show. Helen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, uh, Jazz. Thank you for asking me to be on your podcast. Um, I think this is a really clever, uh, smart idea you've got and a great way for you to reach out to the community and for us to get to know one another during this crazy time. Um, I wanted you to know how much I enjoyed your podcast with your first one with Amy Baruch. I thought it was really well done. Um, and Thank you. <laughs> I thought you did a great job. Uh, my only issue is that I think Amy set the bar really high and I'm a little intimidated following her, but uh, hey, I'm just going to do the best I can. I, you know, I think... Um... Amy was awesome. You're right. She, I learned so much about her, and I'm sure our community has got to know our founder, and uh, and she's still up to so many exciting things. So yeah, and, but to tell you the truth, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because I think our community will be hugely, um, you know, uh, fascinated by your career path and and. So can't wait to begin and uh, ask you more about uh, what are you doing in your professional life these days and how did it all start? Okay. Well, I am an internal medicine doctor by training, and I am currently working as a hospitalist for Spartanburg Regional, and I'm mainly at the Mary Black campus, um, but I do teach the residents some, and so you'll see me on main campus, and I also uh, work at the restorative care center. Um, but I did not start off that way, and I've been fortunate to have a, a really, I think, a very interesting career path um, that I'd kind of like to share some of the highlights about that. So um, 
when I first um, dreamed of going to medical school, my dream was to be um, a general practice doctor in a small town where I felt like I could make a difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, right at the same time, um, USC had opened a school in Columbia, and their mission was to train doctors to do primary care in rural underserved areas. Mm -hmm. And also DHEC uh, sponsored a scholarship where they paid for four years of medical school. And then I paid back three years in a rural area. So this was a win-win situation for me. So yeah, sounds perfect. It was. So after medical school, I went to uh, Tampa to do my training. And then after that, I started looking around for the perfect little small town in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in Union, South Carolina, just a small town just south of Spartanburg. And I joined a couple of other internists there. And I was the first female physician in Union County, but a couple of others followed right behind me. Um, And the medical staff loved having female doctors. They really took right to us. They were hugely helpful. Uh, But it did take them two years to quit standing up and coming to attention when I would come on the floor and to quit calling me sir. <laughs> but we, our, uh, our group helped um, the medical community and union to really blossom and grow. And in our heyday, we had, people don't know this, but we had two general surgeons and two orthopedists and a urologist and OBGYN. And uh, we were really busy, but there were no subspecialists. So the internist served as a subspecialist. So we did everything. We ran the ICU. We did the ventilators. We did all our procedures, thoracentesis, paracentesis, uh, EGDs, colonoscopies. Wow. We learned how to read echoes. We did stress tests. And one day I got called into the operating room to throw in an emergency pacemaker in front of everybody. Wow. Uh, I mean, you remind me of the, you know, the movie doctors who do everything (laughs) it was crazy but I loved it that was what my training was Mm -hmm. and uh, it was really uh, fantastic and then after about nine years of that I decided that I wanted to try running my own business Mm -hmm. and my husband and I knew nothing about business and but we got help from the town and the hospital was very helpful and we opened up uh, Carolina Internal Medicine Mm -hmm. union and I was able to recruit three doctors and had a wonderful staff and then over the years we grew into a practice huge practice uh, for four physicians and I loved being a businesswoman I really really was proud of that Mm -hmm. Um, and still very busy and liking work and had a good lifestyle with four of us but union is a textile town and in the late 90s Uh, Millican shut down seven of the nine plants. Mm. And so our nice middle-class patients all had to move away. And uh, after they left, then your surgery subspecialties leave. And then the two general surgeons left. And once your general surgeons leave, that's the beginning of the end of your hospital. Mm. So then one by one, my partners left. And I was um, there trying to keep this practice afloat, just me. Mm. And I was working 
crazy hours, 14 to 16 hours. But, you know, I thought I was doing okay. And I was trying to recruit, but I couldn't recruit. And But after a while, my family sat me down and said, you know, you're not doing okay. And uh, you're going to have to make a change. And so I had to face the horrible fact that I was going to have to close my wonderful practice. And it was terrible having to say goodbye to my staff and goodbye to all my patients and uh, close my wonderful business. And so it was like a grieving that I went through and I became very depressed after that. And so I got a job in the meantime as a hospitalist, and I kept thinking that I'd want to go back into private practice because that's what I love. Mm -hmm. But um, over time, I have learned to love inpatient medicine and uh, developed some skills for it. So I've gotten better at it, and I like the people I work with very well and the hospital system. and, um, And, you know, we have a pretty nice schedule. We do seven days on and seven days off. And my husband loves the time that he has with me now. And he takes me golfing and fishing. Mm. Wow. So from being your own boss to working in an employed opportunity, obviously, is quite a transition if you think about it as a physician. Tell us what was that time like when you were just closing everything off and you were feeling really depressed? What what helped you during that time to come through? Well, I had a feeling you were going to want to ask me about that. <laughs> I'm not sure I was willing to talk about it. But, you know, we need to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. We doctors need to get over ourselves and this stigma that we have about mental health. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, look at our um, suicide rates. They're skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. So I realized that I had the all the signs and symptoms of a real clinical depression. And so mm-hmm. I called up a psychiatric friend of mine. And he was kind enough to work me right in. And we immediately started some counseling. And I never did have to take any medicine. But it was just wonderful to have someone sit there and talk about my problems with. And he could help me look at my problems in a whole nother way and help me find solutions that I just could not see. And um, gave me some new coping skills. And then about six months, I was back to myself and... I haven't had any kind of relapse, and I was so glad I sought the help and so thankful for his help. Yeah, the, you know, the transitions are hard and because you kind of lose your identity as somebody like you were the CF, CEO of your practice. You were running the show. You were this really successful doctor, and then just to close everything off and not to have all these family of employees who support this practice with you. It was, like you said, um, a closing of a chapter almost in uh, and moving on to the next one. Well, thanks for sharing. I really, I really do appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners will as well. And, and as you so rightly mentioned that we shouldn't be afraid and we should, and that's a huge uh, a level of courage that you're showing to us by sharing your side of the story, your experience. Um, and And that's the kind of attitude I think we should promote in medicine that so people are more open to sharing and understanding that this is part of life and we can all uh, find uh, support in our community. And and so thank you so much for sharing that. So um, moving on then, uh, let's see. um, 
So you're here, and I know you. I met you <laughs> at Spartanburg Regional, and and then uh, you know I've been working uh, with you for the last four years. So I've known you in that role primarily. But it's good to know what you, where uh, your career started. Now, um, have you had any interesting experiences relating to our women in medicine community? Because I've heard you are up to some other stuff too. So I'll let you talk about it yourself. Okay. <laughs> Well, yes, I'm so proud to be um, a member of SWIM, and uh, I really enjoyed hearing um, Amy uh, talk about the history of SWIM. I did not realize SWIM had been around for 10 years, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate uh, her and Dr. Latham's groundbreaking work that they mm-hmm. did. Um, but SWIM is starting to gain some notoriety that I wanted to tell you about. Okay. So you know that I'm on the um, board of trustees for the South Carolina Medical Association, and I'm currently serving as the Speaker of the House. And a couple of years we, ago, we were at a board meeting, and we were talking about membership and how to get more members. And we were lamenting that membership um, in societies uh, all over the country has just declined. And what's happened to the doctors? There seems to be a lot of apathy, can't get mm-hmm. people to join. And so I, at that time, I told um, everybody about SWIM back Mm -hmm. then. And I said, we've got a very successful women's group in Spartanburg. And they said, well, how did you do it? How did you make it go? And I said, well, I think you just have to have strong leadership. And Mm -hmm. you've got to get um, enthusiastic young uh, members to join because they've got all the great ideas. And you also gain a lot by having the younger people because they know how to do social media. <laughs> That's the problem for a lot of these older societies. They don't even have a mechanism to reach out. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I said, SWIM's even so successful that we have a representative to the board of trustees for the Spartanburg County Medical Society. So they, they were very intrigued over that. So fast forward mm-hmm. to this past week, mm-hmm. uh, we had a board meeting. Mm-hmm. And our trustees put in their uh, district reports and Spartanburg County's trustee is Dr. Fritz Butehorn. Mm-hmm. And in his report, he mentioned swim in the podcast. Wow. So <laughs> the other trustees had read his report and said, what is this swim podcast? We'd like to listen to it. Okay. So I said, well, I'm currently working on that. And, uh, Dr. Jazz Bueller is heading that up. And um, she really wants to take this places and, and get it out there on social media, maybe use it as a fundraiser and even put it on YouTube out there. So I'm kicking it back to you. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, supporting our community at the Spartan, Me- I mean, to say South Carolina Medical Association level. That just helps us tremendously in gaining um, recognition of our community members' participation in the community. Um, But before I go into that, I I really want to take a moment and uh, talk about your work as the Speaker of the House for South Carolina Medical Association. I think when I saw that a couple of years ago, I... I just was like for a moment paused and say, well, this is a big deal. You know, you're doing something. I had no idea that you were up, you had a leadership role in um, at the state level medical society. So 
tell, share with us that experience. How is that going and how has that journey been for you? Okay. Well, I've done a lot of different leadership things. I, I get asked to do things and I just find myself saying yes. And well, <laughs> a few years ago, I was asked to finish out a trustee uh, term um, on the board uh, and it was a representative for union. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll finish that out. And they said, it's just temporary. And I said, okay, well, at the end of it, um, I enjoyed it so much and, and they seemed to appreciate me that they've um, really worked hard to find ways for me to stay with the board. I mean, uh, they really bent over backwards to uh, find me a role. And um, so I did some trustee uh, positions and then eventually they uh, offered me the speaker of the house position. And now that was, I have to say that was the one thing I really thought long and hard about because I don't think I'm a very good speaker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I really don't have any experience with with that kind of um, uh, parliamentary procedure and, and that kind of thing. And so I had to think long and hard on that decision. But um, they've, again, given me wonderful training and I've gotten, I guess I've gotten better at it. But it is pretty intense being up there in the front of the room in front of the, the whole House of Delegates. But mm -hmm. it's a challenge and, and I have a good time. And uh, I tell people, sometimes I just make up words. So you, know, <laughs> you have the one part about being Speaker of the House is, is you have to have uh, a sense of humor. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's why I got invited. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you are an inspiration to all of us. When we see you uh, taking on these roles, it makes us all... Uh, um, you know, see the path that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. And, and that, that you, you are a role model. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on how this role has been for you. And, and even though it's not easy, and even though it may seem overwhelming to us, this is really inspiring. Um, Oh, so uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, tell us about what you do for self-care. You know, that is our another, I think, important topic to me that we in medicine are kind of talking about it, but not really as a priority, which I think should change, where self-care and really understanding our own needs uh, as a human being uh, should be priority so we can serve the rest of the human race around us even better. So what is your way to cope with stress and everything? <laughs> well, I have um, been into exercise ever since I was little. So I have kept that up and I've varied it over the years. Uh, right now I'm an avid walker, but I mix it up with swimming and biking and I love to go snow ski and I can't wait till it gets cold. And then I, that's all I can think about. I'm kind of obsessed with it, but, and then I also lo love to uh, hike and uh, backpack and trek. But um, I wanted to tell you about something fun I did this spring um, mm. when COVID came and the shutdown came, um, you know, they, we were supposed to be staying home. And so my, we had to quarantine my husband because he's a, kidney transplant patient who's uh, immunosuppressed. So I was sent him, mm. um, down to the lake and then I found myself at home with no food. And I, 
The problem is I don't know how to cook. This is really, really true. He does all the cooking. He's a wonderful chef and I can bake a few things, but, but you know, that's really it. So I said, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity and learn, learn some cooking skills. So I started watching YouTubes and videos and (laughs) reading cookbooks and, I got my family to help me. Both of my kids are really good. And they taught me some chefing skills, like how to properly hold the knife and to dice an onion. And I learned to make a few things. And then I um, and I learned to make this wicked um, vegetarian uh, tomato sauce, you know, like for spaghetti. That's just mm. die for good. And then I started into baking some bread, you know, real bread with the yeast and the um you know, kneading. And- I, you know, I tried that this summer. I, <laughs> I was just like craving this really good bread. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't know where I'll find it. And then I started to look it up. I said, maybe I'll, I'll learn how to bake because I don't really I know how to cook Indian food, but, you know, baking is not something I get into a lot. And and I, I found this bread called No Need Bread. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and it was super easy. It made me feel so accomplished because you had to let, sit, let it sit and then you just throw it in the oven and it comes out so professional looking. <laughs> I was like, wow, I made this bread. Every time I took a bite, I, I felt so proud. And uh, it, was, it was a cool experience. You should try it. Look it up. No uh, Need Bread. No Need Bread. Okay. I, I loved bacon. I made this thing called an Italian coffee cake, which I don't know why they call it a coffee cake because it's a yeast bread that rises, but it was amazing. And um, I made it a couple of different times, but I really did have a good time uh, doing that. Yeah. That no, I, a, a great way to relax uh, being at oh home yeah. during, the, during the shutdown. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's It's sort of... Uh, works for me that way too. Spending time in the kitchen and cooking something from scratch, you know. Uh, to me, it's not a chore. It's actually fun, but only on the days where I have time. <laughs> it is very time consuming. It really is. Yeah. And I think that's why I've never got, enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. you know, when we had the time uh, this spring, it. I mean, there's a real art to it, and mm. I know why people go to school and their professionals. Um, you know, one of the partners in my practice is actually a trained chef and he's a nephrologist. Wow. So, yeah. And I've met a few people. I remember uh, when I was a resident, one of my uh, medical, fourth year medical students in the Drexel Medical School, he wanted to be a chef. Then he chose to go into medicine. <laughs> so it, it was the second time I saw somebody who had that both professions, you know, overlapping. So I thought it was interesting. Um, there's a lot of science to uh, cooking well. So I think that's where the overlap is. Um, I have found out if you really look at the chemistry of cooking, then your your uh, meals come out better. And I'm mm-hmm. a chemist. That's my degree. So mm-hmm. I like that part of it. So, yeah. So I think it's a hidden skill that you have discovered. Well, I don't know about that. All right. Well, okay. Let's um, go back to the time when you were starting out as a new doctor. What do you think after all these years you wish you knew um, back then? (laughs) Well, I really loved this question when you told me you were going to ask me that. And I thought about it a lot. 
And this is what I would tell myself in a very stern verse, voice, excuse me. I would say, quit taking yourself so seriously. The world does not revolve around Helen Stockinger. The world is not going to fall apart if you take a vacation. And quit being an obsessive compulsive perfectionist. And finish those charts and get home to your family because they need you every bit as much as your patients do. I'm sure I would not have listened to that. I still would have had to go through all what I did, but that's tries. I try to use that as my motto now. I think uh, that's a very important lesson, especially in the you know the balance of between personal and professional life that you just discussed um, as we are all feel so pressured by the demands of our profession, the responsibility on our shoulders. And we are starting out that we kind of forget um, everything around us are, you know, and I'm sure we all have memories of that time where we forgot important dates, you know, suddenly because we were so busy and we were so uh, overwhelmed by the pressure. So, yeah, that, that's a great, um, a lesson to bring back to our um, our community to find balance. That's great. Um, so what do you uh, think? How are we doing? Any ideas? How can, do you think this is a good track for us uh, meeting new members through the podcast? Uh, I thought this way we can get to know people better and really have a conversation that we couldn't usually have, you know, because, there's all the people around us all the time, really, you know, it's hard to get to know people. So. Oh, I I think this is a great idea. Um, Unfortunately at the hospital, you just really don't have the time or the privacy to sit down and and really have some good conversations. And um, I've just enjoyed this journey with you. At first I was, I was so frightened. I thought, why would anybody want to listen to me? <laughs> but as you and I um, have spent some time together and then watching Amy, you know, it was really helpful mm-hmm. to have her start us off. Um, what a great idea. And I, I think uh, I heard you say you've got some great lineup coming after me and I can't wait to see them. I really can't. So I, I hope you keep doing it. And, you know, one day we'll all meet again together, but, you know, we don't, again, won't have these um, in-depth conversations, um, most likely. So this is a great mechanism. Especially in the time of social distancing, where it's it's even, you know, we keep thinking, can we plan a social get-together? And we are now doing fa- Facebook Lives, and we're hoping to do those every month. And um, that way, that I think is another great way to meet with the community members and they, for them to know that this is where they could come and meet with us and meet with the rest of the community. Um, so I think this brings uh, our podcast to a close. And just as we uh, close this, I just want to remind everybody to please subscribe to our podcast and hop on to our YouTube channel and uh, subscribe to us there as well. Uh, we are trying to see if we can monetize this and uh, raise funds because SWIM does support several charities in this uh, Spartanburg community. And we would like to continue to do that and 
And we'd like to continue to bring areas that are relevant to our community out there through this medium, um, hoping to start conversations that I feel are meaningful to us here, right here in our community. Um, so that is our goal. And uh, you can find us on uh, swimphysicians.com and you can reach me at admin at swimphysicians.com. And um, so we will meet you back in a month with our next guest. So please stay tuned. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.